So welcome back to part two. Here we go. We're going to talk about the plot. Yep, that's the plot. Primarily some key scenes. Before we go into the plot, just quickly, we do want to talk about one thing. The screwed up chronology. Yeah. So when it comes to a origin story, right? You want to start off pretty easily. You start at the beginning and ideally make your way towards the end. This does happen in Spider-Man, the first one, 2002, Sam Raimi. It takes place over the course of, I'd say, almost a year. It takes place over like six to eight months. It now, feels like, though, that the entire thing could have taken place over two days. Yeah. There's no indication of passage of time. The editing is really whack. Mm. The only two indications we have of passage of time are high school graduation and Thanksgiving. Yeah. So that's, yeah, high school graduation, you know, mid-May, early June. Uh, Thanksgiving, mid-November. So we can definitely say minimum six months. Could have been longer, though. So that's what, that's what really scares me. Now, obviously, when it comes to any sort of form of timekeeping, one of the best ways you can, you can tell by checking the time is, or at least checking the days, is looking at the newspaper, right? You check the newspaper. Old reliable. Yeah, exactly. Old reliable, old faithful, print media. Old propaganda. Yeah, well, yeah. uh, Daily Bugle, shout out. And speaking of, the Daily Bugle is going to be the main source of news in Spider-Man. But shows no date. None. None at all. Not a single smidgen. Yeah, because they're all all obsessed with Spider-Man. All the titles are so large that they forget to put the date in. And that's why J. Jonah Jameson, so mad. Yeah. It's it's our new prevailing theory that he's so angry with Spider-Man because he's causing New Yorkers to forget the time and the date. They could have been there for centuries and none of them would have known because who's going to tell them the time and date? Not the Daily Bugle. And not Spider-Man. He's too busy. Yeah. Saving people or could be could even be a menace. So, ipso facto, the chronology is messed up and we blame Spider-Man. On a meta level, I think it's the probably the biggest detriment to this film. Yeah. A lot of times we were like, oh, it's... Fall now? It's Was winter it the now? next day? Yeah. It's graduation now. Things just happen. Yeah. Scenes happen and they're kind of stitched together with no real flow. That's what I can say about this film. It's a lot of stitched together scenes with a very incoherent flow. Yeah. Which is a shame. But now that we know about that, I reckon let's just jump into this incoherent flow of scenes. So, very quickly, we're introduced to Peter. Yep. With an opening narration. Mm-hmm. Very aggressive opening narration. Yeah. Peter says... If someone told you that my life was easy, they were lying to you. Yeah. Very aggressive. Why are you so aggressive to me, Peter? It's not my fault they lied to me. Never met this guy. Already saying anyone that's ever said anything to you about me, they're wrong. Interesting framework that he's setting the entire film like he's telling you the story. Yeah. Of how it goes on. If he was telling uh, us the story, would have done to make his performance a little more exciting. But, (laughs) you know, that says a lot about Peter Parker, I'd say. Yeah, well, hopefully hopefully Peter Parker gets a little bit better throughout the movie, but uh, again, spoilers, doesn't really. He tries his best. We also get very briefly introduced to the Spider-Man score itself, the theme. Danny Elfman, big shout out to D-Elf. <laughs> Beautiful. He, he really put in the work for this movie, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, you know, as we get to specific scenes where the music and the film really kind of start working hand in hand, because it takes a good composer to make a good score, but it takes a phenomenal composer to integrate that into already a pretty good movie. So props again to Danny Elfman for him. We move quickly on from this intro. Peter and all the other characters are introduced in a lab. Yep, I have a field trip. I have a field trip with a very young teacher. Bit strange. Bit strange. If you watch the film, you know what I mean. He's shorter. He looks very youthful compared to these 25-year-old actors. (laughs) Why wouldn't you just pick an older person to be a teacher? I don't know. Yeah, not too sure about that casting choice. We've talked about Harry being a dick to Peter and trying to flirt with MJ right under his nose, mm. which, you know, it's his right. 
Mary Jane's her own woman, but, you know, still kind of a dick thing to do when you willingly know your best friend is trying to date her. Yeah, and it happens, yeah, not even under Peter's nose. It, yeah, directly in front of him, it, like in eyesight. So thankfully, yeah, Peter isn't that tall that it will happen under his nose. But uh, I mean, look, I don't know. I didn't do the camera work here, so maybe... Peter does when he takes photos of Mary Jane and then gets bitten by a spider. It was a blue and red blob on the screen, I would assume for you. But, or it was, just, was it just nothing? So, are you telling me this? Oh, yeah. So I th- this one was, yeah, CGI spider. Oh, my God. Not only do I have to think about real spiders, yeah. the Spider-Man, the Spider-Universe, yeah. multiple Spider-Men, mm-hmm. but now I also think about computers that generate spiders. Where does it end? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah that, that's all, it's all computer animated. If anything, that should be easier to get because it's not a real spider. It's just... It, I... Ah! We've had a drink of water. We've had a sit down. You've had, you've had your juice box. Serenity now. <laughs> Peace. Nirvana. I'm okay. Okay. So, Peter gets bitten by that thing. Okay? And... Immediately, a big white circle with two sharp indents in his skin. Yeah. Very worrying. Yeah. If I had that on my skin, I would freak. Yeah. I'd be like, what the hell is going on? And talk to someone immediately. Peter doesn't. He goes home, sweats on his floor, and goes to sleep. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah, he just shivers. He looks terminal on the floor, and then... Uh... If he died there, you know, it'd be sad, but probably deserved. And also... Quite believable too, because the way that he was going, he was definitely on a downward spiral. It was changing his very DNA. Yeah, but thankfully it works out in his favor because he wakes up jacked, huge, muscular as hell. Yeah, and his eyes work now. So, yeah. well, they they work better than they did before. I'm not going to say that people with glasses don't he wasn't have functioning blind. Eyes. Yeah, he wasn't. Before. He wasn't blind, but uh, his his eyes weren't as strong as they could have been. So, thankfully, he wakes up uh, and he's completely fine. Uh, better than fine, actually. And we see that even more as we go into school that day. He runs after the bus, gets his hand stuck on the sign off to the side. So he's like... Pulls it off. It's the first indication we have of his sticky hands. Yeah. Now, he's not a grotty man. (laughs) No. So, you know... I'm sure he showered. It wasn't, you know, room gunk, teenage man gunk that stuck his hand to that. No, thankfully not. But... uh, It was just spider gunk. It was, yeah. The spiders gunked all over his hands. Uh, and now Spider-Man has to pay for it. So, thanks, spiders, you bunch of jackasses. He gets to school, though. Now, this is where we sort of start the bit of the parallel here between Peter and Norman Osborn, because we, we meet Norman earlier in the movie. We get to see him outside the front of the field trip, drops off Harry. See, we see he's very ambitious. You know, we get Has to a bit him. of a relationship with Peter. Yeah. They're both very smart. Yeah. And in this scene, we talked about, in part one, him being angry about going back to formula and yeah. the way he jumps up after being injected and all that stuff. Yeah. Now, this parallels to Peter's getting his powers scene. Mm-hmm. Peter didn't choose to get his powers. Norman did decide to get his powers. And from here, we both see how they go in their different directions, yep. which goes into the themes of we're not so different, you and I. Yeah, exactly. And we get to see that starting the theme of, uh, of both power and also responsibility. One is selfish, one is selfless. Yeah. Like both of them, they both have to get there. Exactly right. Peter has to learn to be selfless, and the Green Goblin has to learn to overtake Norman <laughs> and completely shatter his psyche. Yeah, Green Goblin has to learn how to uh, get uh, stabbed in the stomach by a glider, um, which is an important lesson to learn. And uh, Peter has sure- to not tell Harry. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. So we get to see Peter in the cafeteria. He, uh, he sees MJ. He feels his, uh, his senses tingling. Zoom! 
Yeah, but it's not his. Uh, it's not his downstairs area. It's his spidey sense this time. Uh, could be which both. Is, it could be both. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time for his little spider senses. gunk. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> spider gunk is back. Uh, but this time it actually saves Mary Jane because she starts slipping. Um, she starts, catches her. Yeah, very romantically, and then one hand out with the tray. Yeah, because she's holding her tray. Obviously, it's a lunch tray. We're in a cafeteria, and a very practical effect catches. All the food. None of this was CGI. This was mm. 156 takes, 16-hour shoot day. Yeah, exactly. They finally they finally get it done after 156 takes. I'm sure Toby Maguire was like, hey, that was a really good day, guys. Every other person in that room was like, I'm so happy I can go home. Please just let me out of this living nightmare. I've been sitting at these cafeteria cha- chairs for hours. I thought I left cafeteria behind seven years ago when I graduated high school. That's probably why all the actors were so old. It's because it's because, because they had to sit there. Toby McGuire took so many takes, and that's why the teacher is so young because he didn't have to sit there. That's true. he was a replacement. Oh, that's true. You're right. He didn't have to sit there. But finally, we we see he catches all of his stuff or all of uh, Mary Jane's stuff rather. Um, you know, they have a little moment. It's very cute. Peter Parker again. Spider gunk comes out of his wrist, and he's like, "Oh, not not again! Not my spider gunk." Now, this time, he, he latches onto a little lunch tray, throws it at Flash Thompson by accident because he just wants to get it off his Flash hand. Flash Thompson gets gunk on his shoulder. Exactly. Not spider gunk, just food gunk. Just food gunk, yeah. Which I, I can't tell which is... Yeah, funk. Good on him. Copyright. So he, yeah, so he kind of daddy cat strolls out of the uh, out of the uh, the cafeteria because he's got funk all over him. And then the fight happens, which we discuss in part one. Yeah. Peter dodges, flips, does a little bit of jive around Flash and exactly. uh, Blash. Yeah, Blash being... Yeah, blonde Flash, obviously. Uh, and then... Haymakers, bam! Flash down the hallway, out of the park. Another kid says, "Jesus, Parker, you really are a freak." Which I would not be saying to someone that just haymakered my friend. That is the stupidest thing you could say. That was Blash, actually, wasn't it? Was it? Was, I think it was Blash who says that. You know, I just realized we might be calling him Blash, but he might not have blonde hair. Well, he's Blash. He's Blash in our eyes, and that's all that matters. Blash in our eyes. Blash in our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> God bless Blash. If you're out there, give us a call. Uh, now. Yeah, Blash insults Peter. Peter promptly runs off, uh, partially because you know he doesn't he doesn't want to face the people at school right now. He's he's in a bit of a weird place. But also, I would be too. Yeah, but also at the same time, he's equal parts terrified and also very excited to figure out what he can do because he, so he, he knows he knows he's strong. Some dirty New York alley. Yeah, I mean, look, and what New York alley isn't dirty? Am I right, New Yorkers? I haven't been there before. Actually, no. Bada bing. <laughs> exactly, zing. Uh, Bada zing. <laughs> Um, we finally, we see him in the, uh, in the alleyway. He pulls out his hand, uh, weird little spider things. Uncomfortable close up. Yeah. On multiple. whatever is growing out of his hand. It zooms up. You know, in Spy Kids, mm. when the kid has the binoculars, which flip down. Yeah. One after another for increased close up. Yeah. Yeah. This was the audience to... Spider-Man's hand <laughs> And it just got more and more uncomfortable It's like, yes, we get the idea I don't need to see a CGI close-up of Tobey Maguire's hand With brown spikes coming out of it Yeah, and it just got It just kept getting closer uh, And in cuts as well So just when you thought it was done It was even closer into your face Terrifying stuff Now, this is where I really wanted to bring up the uh, the score, for sure um, I'm, a, I'm a little poet there Did you see that? That was nice Ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down Danny Elfman comes back in full force right now So... Peter Parker puts his hand out on the wall to any other filmmaker or any other composer. He's just put his hand on the wall. His hand's going to stick and he's going to start climbing the wall. He's Spider-Man. At this, not quite at this point, but he's, he's Spider-Man. So he puts his hand out on the wall. You hear... Boom. 
Exactly. All of the trombones, all of the very, very low brass in this, uh, in this orchestra. So it's a very dissonant, very unsettling, very unnerving uh, sound. You don't know whether or not to cheer for Peter at this point or to be terrified that something very bad is going to happen. And I think that's a really, really cool tenseness or a, a, cool, very, a very cool intensity, which, uh, which sets up. Now, he climbs up. The next hand comes on the wall. Boom! Yeah, slightly higher than the last one. And then he's like, okay, I think I've got the hang of this. Puts his ne- next hand up. Boom! Another one. Boom! Et cetera, et cetera. So it gets higher and higher. And then a bit of the rhythm comes in. Everything starts to As come together. Yes, he's bringing it all together. He's Gains realizing momentum. his power. He gets to the top. The music swells. He starts running. CGI Peter Parker starts running as he bends like a stretch Armstrong <laughs> across the rooftops. Yeah. Really, yeah. He's a big old Gumby. He's flying around all around the place. But uh, Who is Gumby? I don't, look, I don't know. Who is Gumbo? <laughs> Who is Gumbo? These are the questions that Danny Elfman nor Sam Raimi could even answer. So One day we'll find out. Yeah. Hopefully. Gumbo call us. <laughs> yeah, and Gumby. So thanks to Danny Elfman's score as well, we get a really, really cool scene, a really cool look into how excited Peter is about his powers until he gets to that ledge. Music stops very comically. It just, it just cuts out because he doesn't know how to use his webs. I mean, he's Spider-Man. How do you not know? He tries his best. There's a funny montage of him, you know, flicking his hands around like an idiot. Yeah. Saying that line. Uh, eventually, he figures it out with the classic Spider-Man. Yeah, a little thwip. Yeah. Uh, hits the billboard. Swings. <laughs> hits it. Straight into it. Dead. Credits. Yeah. yeah cr- Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Got you there for a second. No. He runs home uh, late. Realizes. Incredibly late. We in- see it goes from completely normal, completely light outside to pitch black. Which is. One of the problems we talked about initially. Yeah. But he gets home and, you know, Michelangelo, there's meatloaf and veggies in the fridge. Oh, he forgot to paint the house with Uncle Benjamin. Oh, he forgot about that. That was the whole point of today. He needed to paint the house. So then he goes up to his room and a montage starts. Yeah. Of creating a suit. No. Shit. So after he sees the note. Yep. He goes outside to take the trash Mm. and sees Mary Jane. And they have a bit of a moment with each other where yeah, they talk about, you know, what they want to do. Mm. And Peter says, oh, I saw when you played Cinderella, I bawled like a baby. Yeah. And then she goes, Peter, that was in second grade. Like, yeah. that was a weird thing to say. And it's like, no, kind of, Peter was clearly joking there. That felt a bit weird. It was a bit strange. I mean, now, this, this interaction here, I just want you, everyone, I just want everyone to close their eyes. Now, imagine there's a stream going through uh, a nice little uh, peaceful country town beautiful stream now imagine two pieces of cardboard floating. I, I, I can see them yeah floating down the stream they're a bit soggy but i can see them exactly a bit soggy but i mean pretty bland uh that's uh peter and mj talking to each other right now and you can open your eyes <sighs> that was a great image that was that was very serene so yeah the acting in these sort of small the quiet moments leaves a little bit to be desired yeah not great but they happen, and so good on them for trying. And Flash I'd say it Thompson, gets better. Flash Thompson appears, though. Yeah, he does. In a car. And MJ, ridiculously excited for the car. She, she goes insane. She's like, oh my god! <laughs> he goes crazy like that. And just ditches Peter. Yep, see ya. A montage happens where Peter wants to buy a car. The cheapest car, so he can impress MJ. Mm. So he a montage of him designing a suit. Getting ready. Yeah, because he, he wants to win some money through the wrestling match. And this is also... Is, I guess it's a bit of a build on the character. So it's not Peter Parker becoming Spider-Man, but it's Peter Parker becoming essentially quite selfish. The human spider. The human spider. Exactly, yeah. The human spider. Um, so he goes off to the wrestling match, 
So, because he's he's looking for he's looking for money to get cars, and so what better way to get money than uh, by wrestling? Survive three minutes in the ring. Yep, three thousand dollars. That's a pretty good deal. Little do we know that surviving for three minutes in the ring has to be up against Bonesaw McGraw or Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Hey, freak show! You're going nowhere. It's crazy. It's really really cool. I did not expect Randy Savage to show up in this movie, but my God, I'm so happy that he did. Not only Randy Savage, but yeah. returning Hall of Famer, yeah. Bruce Campbell, everybody. Give it up for Bruce Campbell. Good stuff. He's back. Coach Boomer, the Sonic Boom, uh, Boomowski, is back again, but this time as the announcer. He has to use a microphone for his booming voice this time, so maybe he's got a little, he's a little, <laughs> a little, little yeah. sore in the throat. He, he, goes, he goes to... Uh, Peter Parker, yeah. and he says, "What's your name, kid?" And he goes, "The Human Spider." He and he goes, "The Human Spider, that's garbage." <laughs> what? That's the best you got? And he uh, announces him as the Amazing Spider-Man, and that—that's the name. So, thank you, Bruce Campbell, for literally creating one of our favorite superheroes. Stanley, out of here. Yeah. Bruce Campbell, mwah. Steve Ditko, out of here. <laughs> Bruce Campbell, mwah. Beautiful stuff. He's—he's really—he's really outdone himself creating Spider-Man. So yeah, we get to see the fight. Between uh, Randy Savage and Human Spider, or Spider-Man. Uh, a bit of homophobia here. It, yeah, it is. He goes, oh, that's a cute outfit. Did your husband make it for you? Yeah, that's uh, now that's that's Peter Parker as well, by the way. That's Peter Parker talking to Macho Man Randy Savage. A, yeah, incredibly homophobic little point there. It would not fly today. No. While we talked about in part one that this film is kind of timeless in this cheese, this does not age well. No, this part didn't uh, didn't quite sit well with us. We're like, wait, hang on. <laughs> it's uh Let's rewind there for a second. Well, well, maybe today you could read it as Randy Savage's husband did make it for him. Yeah. And Peter Parker is just being a dick. Yeah. And that's part of him being selfish. That's true. So that's why he gets so... Bonesaw McGraw gets so angry. Yeah. And uh, he does get angry. He turns, like, bright red. But in two and a half minutes, Peter Parker knocks him out. Yeah. So that was quick. Yeah. He survived for three minutes in the ring. Not only did no, he, he didn't. do that... Oh, hang he on. He didn't survive for three minutes in the ring, yeah. which is the key point for when he goes to collect his dosh. Yeah, he tries his best. He wants that three grand. They say, oh, the the, the ad was to survive three minutes. Beat him in two. For that, I give you a hundred? He doesn't even crack the one grand mark, which is ridiculous. And Peter says, I need this money. Yeah. And the guy says, I failed to see you. Yeah, I missed this the part is... where that's my problem. Yeah, I missed the part where this is my problem. Um, So, P- so Peter leaves, goes downstairs, dejected. But do you smell that? What's that smell? It smells like pizza. It smells like... Papa John himself runs in with a with a gun, and he uh, and he holds up the guy who's who's looking for now. He holds up the guy who's got the dosh. Yeah, and says, "Put it all in the bag." Yep, exactly. Puts it all in the bag. Runs to the elevator. Peter holds open the elevator for him, and he's like, "Man, yeah, get in, man." Runs in, and then gives him a quick thank the you. The security guard is going, "Stop the door! Stop the door!" Yeah. and Peter just like lets it close. And the security guy goes, why'd you do that, man? Yeah, you could have beaten him up with your bare hands. You, you could have yeah. stopped him easily. You could have stopped him easily. And then the guy runs up to him and goes, what'd you do that for? You yeah. know, I lost all my money. And Peter says very coldly, in one of a, in one of his well-delivered lines, yeah. Miss I the missed part. the part where that's my problem. Yeah. And the guy, uh, instead of arguing, kind of goes, well, he kind of got me there. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah. at least I think that guy can pretty happily accept when he's down. But so. tragedy. Uh-oh. Papa John's, he uh, he had to he had to get to another order because uh, he had to run past and he's like, oh, I don't have a car. How am I going to get to my new pizza order? He needs Look- to bring the heat. Yeah. And he was packing heat. Exactly. And he gave Uncle Ben heat. Exactly. He saw a car. He's like, man, I need this car so I can deliver this pizza. 
And so naturally uh, shoots Ben Parker straight in the uh, in the gut, drives away with the with Ben's car. Peter stands over Ben crying. Yeah. Having the last thing he said to Ben was you're not my father so stop trying to be. You're not my real dad. So Ben squeaks out Peter, yep. Peter and dies. That's that honestly this scene was absolutely heart-wrenching. It was really In a modern really sad. in a modern cinema, they might have done it so he might have said a few more prophetic words for Peter. Mm. No, he he just dies. Yeah. So Peter goes after him, after the carjacker, confronts him in an abandoned warehouse, guy falls to his death. Yeah, he does. Um I do just want to point out as well with uh with the little death scene there. A, the fact that he dies without saying basically a single thing to Peter, that's, I think it's almost more heart-wrenching because you're like, well, he doesn't get, he doesn't get to say what he even wanted to say to his, no. to his nephew. And on top of that as well, Toby Maguire, really, really good at crying. Oh my goodness. That, that must be where he gets the big bucks. And that's true. He's a waterworks. Yeah. He really did a really, really good job there. You know, so, in Spider-Man 3, when he flushes Sandman away, mm. he could have done it just with his tears. He could have, yeah. He could have taken his mask off, could have just cried, projectile cried straight into Sandman's eyes, and he would have just disappeared. And of course, a Fukushima type tidal wave. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to those guys. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh... So the guy dies. Yeah, Papa Pe- John Peter- doesn't ever get to deliver his, uh, his pizza. Peter realises he might have been a bit of a dick. Yeah, he's, I think he's taken it a bit too far. Um, now, both in letting this man get away with, uh, with crime, uh, but also, you know, as a result, losing his uncle, but, uh, but also pushing this man out of window, I think he's like, well, I think I've, I've taken it too far. But then, graduation happens. At some point later. At, at no funeral for Ben. No. Graduation happens, everyone goes, I understand how this must be hard for you. Uh, he sees Harry hitting on Mary Jane yep. at the graduation after Mary Jane breaks up the Flash. She gives back a, a ring that he gave her. Yeah, proposed right after. You know, Flash was a bit of side fun in mm. high school. She has bigger dreams. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's not really much much bigger than Joe uh, Manganiello as well. So that's all I'll say. He's huge. So the graduation happens. Yeah. They graduate. Norman says, if there's ever anything you need, give me a call. Yeah. And again, great relationship. We don't really quite see uh, between these two characters that Norman is actually going batshit crazy because that that all happens kind of off to the side. Yeah, he, start- he occasionally cuts to Norman talking to himself in the mirror. Yeah, him hunching over, him killing the military general. Yeah, exactly. That denied him funding. Interesting to note that scene with the mirror. Uh, Willem Dafoe has said they did it in one shot. Yep, he doesn't know why they cut it. But with the angling of the cameras and the way he acts, he did it all in one take. Yeah. So he's a bit disappointed they cut that scene with some cuts. Yeah, they, they split it sort of uh, towards the end there. Because, uh, yeah, they, they, they do cut in, yeah, when he holds up the newspaper and then it cuts in and zooms in on that newspaper, which is a shame. So that happens. Yeah. Then months supposedly pass. Yeah, could be years. Could be years. Decades even. So Harry and Peter have an apartment funded by Harry's father, Norman. Yep. Who comes over for weekly inspections. Hmm. Uh, so they're now living in, in the centre of New York. Uh, now, Harry, uh, I believe, is still studying. He's, he's you know still doing a bit of work. And also dating Mary Jane without telling Peter. Yeah. Neither of them tell Peter. Very is... very strange dynamic to have in a house uh, where people are living together. But uh, but meanwhile, Peter has been working with Dr. Connors, but he keeps he keeps showing up late, so he's gotten fired. Uh, Dr. Connors, a little nod there. He does show up later in the, uh, in the movies. Doesn't show up in this one. Unfortunately, Peter, he's a bit of a bit of a bum. He's been fired. Uh, so now he's looking for a job. Because yeah, he's too busy Spider-Manning. Yeah, exactly. In his fresh suit. 
Yeah, his fresh suit. Uh, emphasis on fresh. It looks really, really cool. Looks really cool. I liked it. Meets Mary Jane, has a bit of a chin wag with her, yeah. finds out they're dating. Basically, the plot kind of meanders around with him, them talking to characters, catching up on the characters. Um, I don't know why we need to catch up on characters, though, considering we've seen them in the same scene with each other, not one scene earlier. It's because, it's because they need to establish the time skip. Yeah. Which we didn't really get, but, you know, it's just another problem with the pacing of the film. Yeah, it hurts my little brain box. So I'm then, not gonna lie. Thanksgiving happens. Yeah, so we we finally yeah we finally get to the point where Green Goblin and Spider Man meet. Um, so we see I think it's the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade. Yeah, I, I I'm not entirely sure about the celebrations in the United States again. So I might be wrong in saying this, but all I know is that there's going to be a whole lot of big floats all around the place in New York. Uh, we're going to have a singer who I'm sure was incredibly famous at the time. I wasn't bothered to look up the name of. Uh, her because I I didn't know who it was um, and frankly we don't care yeah she you know did a phenomenal job I'm sure if I was a couple of years older I'd know exactly who she was and awesome but okay doesn't Harry, matter for this Harry movie. and uh, Mary Jane dating are, up, are dating and up on a balcony yeah they are and you know they're hanging out and Mary Jane's wearing a uh, traditional Chinese dress. Chinese dress which you know she's very white so <laughs> yeah my collar is being stretched. Uh, very far away from my neck Up now. for you to decide. Now, uh, I do want to preface this by saying as well, uh, Norman, meanwhile, has been fired. Norman, he's been cut off from the company. Yeah. He's, he's been cut in a, loose. In a heart-wrenching scene, like, they're like, we're being bought out because of all the success. Now, we're, they don't want a power struggle, so we're pushing you out. Yeah. And he stands up, you know. Yeah. And and there's all, no reaction in the room, unfortunately. And he gets angry. He gets mad. Yeah. So, he comes in, Thanksgiving Day, right after Peter and Harry lock eyes. <laughs> Peter in the middle of the crowd looking up at Harry Harry looking down at him It's a really weird scene And Green Goblin comes in Boom! Drops some bombs Turns all these guys to CGI skeletons and they crumble Yeah, it's that's how we know it truly is uh, October right now Because those Halloween skeletons, they're out to play And then they dissolve, so it doesn't really matter But yeah, we get to see finally the interaction between uh, Green Goblin and Spider-Man It's also one of the first times that we see on a large scale Spider-Man being a hero you know, he's done a couple Spider-Man of Spider-Man swinging jobs. around, saving people from from debris. Yeah, the exactly. music is heroic exactly and right. epic. You know, the brass trumpets oh, of, it's phenomenal. of heroism, hearkening back to when he's discovering his powers. Yeah, Delfman, you're on fire. He's fantastic, honestly. The big D-elf. Yeah, the big Delf. Uh, now, thankfully, Spider-Man is still... He's still got his wits about him because Harry gets knocked out, but uh, and Mary Jane's about to fall. He saves Mary well, Jane. what happens is, ha- Mary Jane's like, Harry, help me. Yeah. And Harry kind of... He's like, whoa, what do I do? And then gets hit in the head and gets knocked down. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, thanks, Harry. You're, you're amazing. Not as amazing as Spider-Man, though, because he actually does Because like Superman, he's got it under his chest. Yeah, he's got it under his shirt. He, he rips it off, uh, rips his shirt off, and he's got the Spider-Man get up underneath. So he, uh, he saves, you know, saves Mary Jane, also fights Green Goblin for a little bit. Finally, he's found a bit of an equal in terms of strength, too, so I think that scares him. He sabotages the glider yeah. with some webs, sending him careening off. Yeah. We'll meet again, Spider-Man. You know, flies away. Uh, it was a pretty pretty weak Green Goblin, if you ask me, but I... I uh, he wasn't prepared I li- for Spider-Man. I live to please. Yeah. He wasn't prepared for Spider-Man. He wasn't. Uh, I was talking more about my impression rather than the Green Goblin himself, but thank you for oh. thank you for ignoring my uh, my horrible impression. I, it kind of like blew right past me because oh. of how bad it was. <laughs> I was like, who are you doing? I don't know what's going on. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, as a, as a side note here as well, Spider-Man, he's gotten his job as a photographer, so now he's, he's living a bit of a dual life. All those Daily Bugle scenes we talked about in part one with J.J. and Jameson, they proceed. Yeah. Uh, it kind of pushes Spider-Man to show that he's doing good deeds. Yeah. 
Uh, J. Jonah Jameson doesn't believe it, but I mean, you know, he never will. So after the Macy's Day Parade, then this Daily Bugle scenes happen, then there's a house on fire. Yeah. How many days after the parade? We don't know. How yeah. many days after anything? We don't know. I wish, I wish we had an answer, but uh, this house on fire, it's not Peter and Norman's relationship. No, it's an actual house and it's actually on fire. He saves a woman. Yeah, he does. The policeman there. Oh, he sa- saves a baby and he saves a woman, yeah. Saves a baby and a woman. And the policeman there says, I'm going to arrest you, Spider-Man. And then a woman's like, help, help. And uh, the policeman looks up, looks down at Spider-Man, looks up, looks down at Spider-Man. And Spider-Man goes, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, and he the says that. goes, I'll arrest you when you get back. Yeah, I'll be here when you get back. And down. Like, I'm not coming back, Chief. And uh, he slips up into the blazing building. Yeah, he slips up. He doesn't even use his webs. He just slides up the wall. <laughs> yeah. And there's a woman in a shawl yeah. facing away. Really dumb idea to be wearing a shawl in a fire. I mean, you should. That's gonna burn real quick. But <laughs> it's Uh-oh. the Green Goblin. Here He's he been bamboozled. Ah, oh, you fell for the oldest trick in the damn book, Spider-Man. They fight, and the most important part about this scene is Peter gains a scratch on his arm. That's very deep. Yeah, very deep, very meaningful. They get back to uh, a Thanksgiving lunch, which is basically... I think it happens later that day, I think. Later that day. And the lunch is Aunt May, Norman, Mary Jane, and Harry. Yep, and Peter, but he's not there yet. He's not there. They're all hanging around... Norman's brought some food. There's a turkey cooking. Yeah. They hear noises upstairs where Peter is. Like, Peter's not supposed to be home yet. They all rush upstairs. Yeah, all, all of, them. of them. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, Especially Norman gets ex- incredibly excited. Peter's hiding on the roof. Yeah. Of, and, of his room. And they're like, oh, it must have been something else. And Norman turns around. And then a drop of blood from the cut yeah. drips down. And in what I can only describe as as thick... As unstirred gravy <laughs> hits the ground and splashes everywhere with a thump. Yeah. And Norman hears this. Yeah. Superhuman On hearing. carpet. Yeah. Oh, uh, it might might have been floorboards, but I, it could have also been carpet. I don't know what it was, but he, he the fact that he hears it is really The fact really that it strange. wasn't like tile or anything is yeah. incredibly impressive. Yeah. Even if it was tile, <laughs> it would still be amazing. Yeah. So he, he hears it, turns around, Peter's out of the building. You know, comes back upstairs. Finally, Peter's wearing his normal clothes. He's like, man, I had to bed an old lady with a stick to get this cranberry sauce. Oh, and everyone's like, yeah. Ha. Ha, and then they're classic. sitting down, ready Very to go. Very strange. Yeah. Um, Willem Dafoe grabs some turkey, tries to grab some turkey, and Aunt May slaps his hand away. Norman! <laughs> and Norman, he, and no! He, he gives a look at Aunt May like, I'm going to kill you. He's in- his eyes are insane. And then sucks his thumb with all the stuffing off it. Yeah. Then sees Peter's cut on his arm. He goes, where'd you get that, Peter? Yeah. And he says, oh, I was hit by a man on a bike. Yeah, bike messenger. He knocked me down. And uh, and now he, he starts to sort of put two and two together because uh, he's like, well, hang on. Now, Peter, I know that he's been, he's been a little bit absent. He was, he was you know, not here earlier. Uh, I know that I actually, I cut Spider-Man with that on that arm. Oh. And so he starts to piece together. He's like, I'm pretty sure Spider-Man is, uh, is uh, Peter Parker. So he leaves. Yep. In a in a frenzy. Yeah. And the scene where Harry argues with uh, Mary Jane and argues with his dad happen. Yeah. And Thanksgiving ruined. Exactly. So we, we move pretty swiftly on to the finale after that. The Green Goblin swiftly yeah. ambushes Aunt May. Uh, yeah, Aunt May just blows through her door. Um, well, also actually, uh, as well, I believe uh, interrogates J. Jonah Jameson at this point. He, as we talked about That's before, all he interrogates J. Jonah Jameson. Spider-Man and Green Goblin fight. Yeah. Uh, Green Goblin says, join me. 
And Spider-Man says, no. And Gordon says, think about it. Yeah. And then <laughs> think he about kidnaps, it, man. I'll be here. And then he kidnaps May. Yeah. What doesn't kidnap her? He terrorizes her. In a scene where she's praying on the bed. You know, she's a good Christian woman. It's very mild. It's all white. Then he bursts in with fire and flame. And he's up high on the glider like some yeah. like devil. Um, even his mask is shaped like a devil. Yeah, exactly. And uh, she's saying the Lord's Prayer. And to the part where... Uh, she's saying, deliver us from evil. Yeah. And uh, she goes, oh, oh, And he's in uh, and he says, finish it. Yeah. And uh, she goes, deliver us. It's very poetic. But I mean, at the same time, look, if you, if you just want to get a delivery, I mean, you can do it online. You don't have to, you don't have to burst through a wall about it. Deliver, deliver what? Evil? Why are you delivering evil? Stupid Green Goblin. Anyway, we can move Zing! on. <laughs> well... So he moves on, uh, yeah, terrorizes Aunt May, figures out as well, look, Aunt May, you know, cool, uh, who else Who else can I terrorize? Harry comes in later and he's like, oh, you know, damn, it's a shame. Interesting about uh, the Aunt May scene, I would just like to say, yeah. that the it's it plays into the theme of selflessness, the Christian iconography there, mm. you know, the devil, a corrupted man, yeah. and a selfless man, mm. and that kind of uh, parallel in that scene, I feel... Uh, really contributes to an overall arching themes of the film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the uh, the the classic, you know, the classic dichotomy, maybe if yeah. if you will, good and evil. Because this film is very clear cut between good and evil. Yeah, I mean, we get selfish on the good side, but that's really about as close as we get to anything uh, less than iconic uh, good. But so we have that finale. Uh, finds out as well through Harry that uh, Peter's into MJ, and so he's like, "Ooh, MJ, a eh? and uh, because Peter, her. because uh, Harry and MJ break up." Yeah. Damn shame. Aunt May realizes that everyone except Peter realizes that he's into MJ. Yeah. And they have a moment, and Harry sees it, and everything's kind of weird. Yeah. But then Green Goblin captures MJ. Yeah, and also captures uh, a nearby. What are they called? Cable car. Cable car. That's the one. Filled yeah. with school children and yeah. a teacher. And and one teacher, probably also younger than the school children, based on the movie's track record thus far. Um. So now uh, Green Goblin's, you know, it stands up on the on the top of the Brooklyn Bridge. I want to say. A bridge. I don't know bridges. Yeah, I'm not a bridgeologist. But we finally see uh, Green Goblin standing on the top of the bridge, MJ in one hand, cable car in the other, says, you know what, choose. choose. And drops them. Drops, drops them both. And he grabs MJ, swings around the cable car, grabs the cable car, yep. holds them. Yeah. Uh, um, hold, holding them both. So Green Goblin's like, well, crap, I didn't really expect you to do both. Yeah, I really didn't think you could swing around Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Green Goblin, again, not the smartest, so not the sharpest. So he's trying to lower uh, the cable car down slowly while the tugboat's coming in. Yeah. And lower Mary Jane with it too. And the Green Goblin keeps dive-bombing him over and over again. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a big fly. An annoying fly. Right? Yeah. And it's- the New Yorkers start pelting him with uh, garbage. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us! Yeah, thanks. That's the voice of New York, that man right there. <laughs> Good stuff. Give it up for New York. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, Frank Sinatra, this guy was the one you were singing about. So finally, uh, Green Goblin comes in. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Picks up Peter, throws him through a abandoned building. Uh, they have a little fight, a little scuffle. Uh, Green Goblin beats Peter within an inch of his life. Mask torn, Peter bleeding. Yeah. And then Peter gets mad. Yeah, because he's like, oh, you you know, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna love, uh, you know, tearing apart Mary Jane, once I'm done with you, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill everybody. And he and he looks furious. He powers up. Yeah, he powers up. You can see the moment when he activates badass mode. Yeah, and starts swinging webs, punching, yeah, dropping walls on Green Goblin, pulls him down uh, until finally he's got him cornered. 
Green Goblin takes his mask off. It's me. It's Willem Dafoe. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. How much of it is really Willem Dafoe peeking through? Willem Dafoe, you're my favorite actor. (laughs) How much of it is Norman peeking through to to Peter? And how much of it is just a trick? Um, So he says, Peter, you're like a son to me. You know, help me. Mm. And Peter's like, no, I, I can't. You're too far gone. You're too far gone. Green Goblin comes back. <laughs> Green Goblin comes back. Or had he never left? Maybe. And goes, Godspeed, Spider-Man. Yep. And uh, the glider goes behind him and we get that last swing. Yeah. As he notices the glider. Another backflip. Glider goes right underneath him into Norman. Yeah, and well, Norman just, just, goes, just goes, oh. He's like, oh. And then dies. <laughs> Don't tell Harry. <clears throat> and then, yeah, slumps and then onto dies. his glider. And then a funeral for Norman. Yeah. Which he still attends. What, Norman. No. Oh, Peter. Peter. <laughs> Peter. I mean, Norman obviously attends his own funeral. I'd what? be shocked if he didn't. But yeah, Norman may return. And he does, actually, as a little spirit ghost, but, you know. So, yeah, Norman does I- ideally go to his own funeral uh, as the man of honour. Um, man of or, the hour. Exactly. Yeah, the man of the hour. Uh, but Peter's also there, despite the fact that he does know the truth that he's, uh, the father of his friend is he's kind of arch nemesis. And he's not going to tell Harry? Nah. Because uh, that's what he said. Don't tell Harry. But in this scene, MJ professes her feelings to him. Mm-hmm. And Peter, no. Nah, not today. I can't. Not today, toots. I've got a city to save. You know, reminiscent of the scene earlier where they kiss upside down in the rain, which we didn't talk about because it just happens. I mean, yeah, it happens. It starts raining and he saves her and they kiss upside down in the rain. Yeah. An incredibly inconvenient and very inefficient way of, uh, of kissing, mind you. But, I mean, it happens. So, good on him. And they kiss uh, gloves on face. Very strange. Very strange. I Personal don't like opinion. The yeah. yeah. Didn't like that. Um, but then he says, no, I can't. I'll always love you as a friend. Mm. But, you know, he's got bigger things. He goes, I know who I am now. Yeah. And I am Spider-Man. Exactly. And then Danny Elfman kicks it off. The Delph, Delph Meister himself shows up Big again. Big D. Yeah. Big Delphi. Yeah. He shows up. Belle Delphine shows up. Uh, and, uh, and finally we get the end of the film. You know, the music goes crazy and he swings into the... Into the camera. Uh, thankfully, the cameraman wasn't hurt. Wonderful film. Yeah. Really enjoyable performances. Our plot was a bit all over the place. As we said, I, I feel what we did here where we talked about it, you know, a few scenes more in detail and then just a continual thread is how the film feels. Yeah. There's no real consistency. It's fi- it's scene, 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 scene. It starts off, I'd say, very strong. And I think as soon as uh, Peter graduates, maybe similar to the way that uh, no one really knows where they're going in life after school. Maybe it's genius. Yeah. I mean, I'm only just thinking about this now. Sam Raimi, you gotta, you got to let us know. But now that we're all done with that, uh, there's, there's really nowhere to go. They don't really know what to do. And so the, the camera work, the uh, plot, the chronology kind of starts to get a little out of whack as, as we sort of see these characters kind of get a little bit lost in their life. So. But finally, he finds out where he is uh, and he swings off into camera with a new sense of purpose. So maybe that's, maybe that's what we're looking for. Yeah, so good film. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. To clarify, uh, when you said uh, good performances all around, there were—I mean, look—main characters weren't phenomenal. There were a couple Passable. of good bits. Yeah, there were really good sections. Yeah. Overall, good film. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. No, I'm a big fan. Whew. that was a long one. It was a bit. I need to head off to the bathroom, so you know, hope it's clean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I do I what? Do I just like stop the recording, or what's the? Are you you'll be back. I'll be back. All right. Cool. Maybe. Alright, well, I don't know, I'll, I'll wrap up then. Um. Oh, we got a call. I didn't realise we had a phone. Uh, hang on, give me one sec. Uh.
Uh, yeah, hello. This is uh, this is the long overdue uh, morgue or DVD store, as it might be now called. Hey, I heard you guys were talking about my movie. Uh, so, uh, sorry, who is this? It's me, Willem Dafoe. I'm defoning in from my underground bunker where I sit between films. Oh, oh my, wow, Willem Dafoe? The very same, the Green Goblin, the Antichrist. <laughs> Jeez Louise, the, the Antichrist. That was such a, that was such a phenomenal, but really still- I don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay. Uh, wow, I mean, look, while I've got you on the phone, I, I might I might have to ask you a couple of questions, because we just- Fine by me, I always love talking about the universe. The, well, uh, it's not quite about the universe, it was more just about the 2002 classic Spider-Man- Oh, Spider-Man. Yeah. I love the Spider-Man, but I hate the Spider-Man. Oh, why? What, where's- he's a part of me, but he's also my mortal enemy. Ah, uh, see, that must be a real tragedy. That must be tough, but, uh- I mean, so how did, how did you even prepare for the role? You, you sound almost identical to the Green Goblin as opposed to just Willem Dafoe. You know, the Batman. The Batman is the true persona. Bruce Wayne is the mask. Well, the Green Goblin is my true persona. And Dafoe is the mask. To get into role, I rolled around in green glitter paint and ran around the units down in New York. Shouting, I'm the Green Goblin! I'm the Green Goblin! Watch me on my glider as I slid down the hills on my rubbish bin lid. Sorry, I had to take the uh, take my, my phone away from my ear for a little second there. You were getting a bit loud. I just want to make sure the connection's still good though, but uh... I'm here! So, okay, oh, thank goodness. I'm uh, always here. I d- I've been watching for years. Oh god, I d- definitely didn't want to lose you. Um, uh, yeah, so... So you, you just said you were sliding around New York uh, covered in green glitter on a bin lid. Is that right? It's true. Wow, that's that's pretty intense method In fact, acting. this was because I was a personal fan of the Green Goblin. And Sam Raimi, one day out with his family, saw me as I barreled through him and his children. And he said, man, that's who I want to play the Green Goblin. Well, that's beautiful. I mean, you're starting to turn a little bit into Bernie Sanders here. But, it, I mean, yeah, I, Green Goblin. Uh, Bernie Sanders copied me. <laughs> Oh, of co- I mean, of course, yeah. I was the original. I was the first. So, all right. No, but we both hate Spider-Man. I know this for a fact. I'll have to check. Uh, Bernie Sanders, if you're, if you're listening, please tell us if you, are, if you know about Spider-Man and your relationship. You want me to hook you up? I know Bernie himself. Yeah, no, fa- fax through the number and we'll, uh, we'll give him a call sometime Fax? Later. I don't fax. I use my carrier pigeon. Okay. <laughs> called Spider-Man. And when it returns, I get out my shooting gun and I try to hit it down. Because I hate Spider-Man. Why did you talk to me about Spider-Man? What other type of gun do you have other than a shooting gun? I got my gun for loving. And I got my fruit gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, no, that makes sense. No, fair enough. Now, I do know that we mentioned something earlier in the recording here. I just want to clarify and see how much of this is true and how much of this could just be a, a tall tale. Now, with every DVD release of... The Craft Singles! I know what you're going to say. Because when I went to be part of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, I insisted in my contract that I must sit on a throne of Gouda whenever I was not on set. Because I love cheese. I love everything about the cheese. The dairy, the cream, the milk, the fact that it's got nothing to do with spiders! Yeah, that's kind of horrifying. You, you sat on a... Wouldn't that, wouldn't that chair get kind of rotten after a while? They replaced it every week. 
I watched that 16-hour take with Toby from my Gouda chair. <laughs> that cafeteria must have, uh, must have stank. I mean, Why do you think everyone looks so miserable? You know what? You, you make a fair point, Willem. Uh, well, I mean, look, I've I got to make sure because uh, I'm pretty sure James might be coming back soon, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Listen, you want cheese? I know a guy. Sam Raimi said no cheese, and I punched him in the face because I said, Sam, I'm the Green Goblin because I can't tell who I am anymore after I was in Speed 2. Remember Speed 2? I took too much copper, and now I don't know who I am anymore. Why did you talk about spiders? That was quite a harrowing experience. Shutterstock music.